All right, let's get Mike Arsenault in here from Global News, sports reporter, and uh, the big breaking news this afternoon, Mike, Kevin Pillar, no longer a Jay. He's off to a San Fran. San Francisco Giants, a bit of a weird trade. I mean, they got four minor leaguers for Pilar. I mean, none of those guys this season probably going to make an impact on the major league roster. So are they a bag of baseballs, all these guys, or will they actually like eventually play with the big team? Or do we know? Uh, I mean, yeah. theoretically, it's possible. I mean, Pilar is not an all-star. He's a great player, fan favorite. I mean, he's Superman. But if he's getting four guys just for him, it's unlikely. It's not a Vladdy, a Bobachet type situation in our return from the Giants. Okay, why give up Pilar? I think this is maybe catching uh, the fan base uh, a little off guard here because uh, he was kind of one of, you know, a handful, like on one hand, the names of people that uh, you still know and love on the chase right now. Well, that's an interesting point. If you think back to 2015, 2016, it would be Pilar, Sanchez, Stroman, and maybe Smoke as the only holdovers from the playoff caliber teams that the Jays have had in the last the, uh, 25 Anthopolis years. years, right? Uh, the exactly. GM at the time, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, he's not really a part of their plans going forward, right? They're in a, a significant rebuild. I mean, they've they had a pretty good first start to the season, the Jays, so far. I haven't really watched too much because I know it's going to be a pretty lean season, but they're they're tearing this thing down. So it's going to be tough for at least a couple years for all Jays fans. So they need to be aware of that and ready for a lot of losses in the next couple of years. Yeah, if you weren't already aware or ready for that, this trade certainly signals that, right? That, uh, listen, we're at least a couple of seasons away probably from seeing a competitive team on the field again? At, at least, especially if you see Stroman and Sanchez. I mean, they've, they threw fantastic in their first start. Stroman, I believe he goes tonight. If they start pitching well and continue to pitch well toward the trade deadline, it's very likely they're going to be traded as well. Because again, uh, Shapiro and uh, Atkins, they want to tear this down and rebuild from within. And then it will be lean years. And you want to get rid of Pilar because it opens up some spots and some innings and some playing time for some of these younger guys. Stroh show going to stay around, do you think, uh, in Toronto then? Because if I'm Marcus Stroman or uh, you know uh, Sanchez, I'm like, I don't know if I uh, you don't want to be around here now. Well, why, yeah, why would you want to be around for the rebuilding? And I think with, with Stroman, I mean, you mentioned in spring training, he said he wanted more veterans on the team and stuff, and he's looking, I mean, him and Pilar are kind of the old guard, the leftovers, as we mentioned, from 2015, 2016. But if I'm Sanchez or Stroman, no, I want to go to a contender, someone who's going to win this year. So it's it behooves the Jays for them to pitch well, and it behooves them to pitch well as also so we can get a good haul for potentially prospects or major league-ready guys as we head into the summer. Are you surprised or amazed at just how quickly this all came apart? Because 2016 isn't that long ago. I mean, we're just embarking on the 2019 uh, baseball season, and uh, the Jays were you know, seemingly right there uh, only two, three seasons ago. Here's the thing. I mean, in my perspective, it was all worth it. I mean, it was very lean for 20 years. The Jays had nothing. Jays fans had Mm -hmm. nothing to be excited for. We had 2015, 2016. And what happened? Alex Anthopoulos, he laid the cupboard bare. He went all in, traded a lot of top prospects to get veterans that could help the team win now. They did. It didn't lead to a World Series victory, but the energy in the city was something we haven't seen since 92-93. And I don't think you would want to give that up, what we had in 2015-2016. However, what Anthopoulos did, it was his home run shot because he was coming to the end of his contract. He left Shapiro and Atkins. Um, and a lot of people aren't big fans of them, but this is what you have to do. You have to rebuild after 2015-2016. So it will be lean for a couple of years. We're going to see Vladdy. We'll see Bo Bichette this year. And then maybe it could be a quick turnaround once we get this prospect call. If we have some kind of diamonds in the rough there, it might only be two or three years, then we're contending again. It was worth it for the bad flip. 
I think just the bat flip alone. Of course. Right? <laughs> I like, this love that. It was, it was yeah. so exciting. Like, I yeah. was eight, nine years old in 92, 93. So being an adult when we had the Jays competitive in the playoffs in 2015, 2016, didn't end with a World Series title, but I wouldn't trade it for anything, even though they're going to be terrible this year and probably next year. All right. Not terrible. Well... <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs and Toronto Raptors. I say not terrible because they both clinched playoff spots uh, yesterday. But uh, I don't know. I don't like the way either one of these teams are trending and going into the playoffs. So which one, Leafs or Raps, concern you more going into the playoffs? I'd say the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, you and I, we discussed this in the morning show back at the start of the season, back at the end of October. It's one thing if you have an offense like 1985. It's another thing when your defense plays like it's 1985. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what the, the Leafs are. They're kind of living and dying by the offensive explosion. And you saw what happened even last night, but especially in Ottawa, you run into a hot goaltender. It doesn't matter how much firepower you have or how many shots you're putting on the net. A hot goalie can make your offense run cold very quickly. Yeah, sure. And the old saying is, or the old adage is, defense wins championships. Championship. So uh, who do you think goes longer in the playoffs now that they both clinched? Are we going to be talking in three weeks now about the Raptors, the Leafs, or we're still both, do you think? I'd say the Raptors have the best chance. I'd like to mm-hmm. see what Kawhi, if we take off the load management uh, concerns and he can <laughs> actually play every game in the playoffs, what they can do. Because the Raptors really haven't had their top lineup for more than, I think it's been less than 10 games. They've had all of their players in the same game throughout the season. So I think they have another gear they can reach. And with the Leafs, I mean, I'm not even on the team, but I have the scar tissue built up from Boston, right? Like, is there, is there any way that they can beat the Bruins? I, I, I just don't see it, Jeff. They don't, have, they don't have that intangible that you need in the playoffs, or they haven't showed me that they can reach that level, that Boston can kind of turn it on. I mean, the Leafs are limping toward the finish. Boston is as well, but I think Boston has shown they can flip yeah. that switch. Is, it, is that the for sure matchup first round? Is it set? Boston and Toronto? or It is. Well, actually, change, so yeah. going into last night, there wasn't even a guarantee the Leafs were going to make the playoffs. They had to win because there's still a chance. By the way, 99 points and you got to go to the last few games of the season to clinch the playoff spot? That's incredible, isn't it? It, it is. Yeah. And so the Leafs are in now. There is still a non-zero chance that the Leafs could overtake Boston and then they would get home ice. But no, it's pretty much, it is locked in that it's Boston-Toronto first round of the playoffs once again. I got a gut feeling. I don't know why, but I think this is the year just because we have not been trending well and everybody thinks that the Leafs are going to fall to the Bruins yet again in the first round. We get by. It's going to be a tough series. It's going to be close. Six, maybe even again a seven-gamer. But I just I have a sneaking suspicion we get through this time. Well, maybe Tavares is the key. I mean, he doesn't have the scar tissue built up from playing Boston as a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So maybe he's the guy who can put them over the top. But I mean, even Freddie Anderson, that's got to be kind of weighing on his mind a little bit of what happened last year. He had a few bad games and Boston just kind of ran right. over Toronto. Yeah, well, maybe he's ready to right that wrong. And, uh, you know, they managed, talk about load management with Kwai. Uh, they've uh, certainly done that, uh, I think, with Anderson this year. He hasn't played as many games. I'm hoping he's a little more rested uh, going into the playoffs. Uh, Not going to the playoffs, again, the Edmonton Oilers. And I wanted to talk to you about this because Connor McDavid, actually, when they officially got eliminated last night, uh, he was asked, uh, of course, by media types about it. And he did not hold back. He was saying, uh, basically, that he is really, really frustrated. He's completely disappointed and very frustrated. And this guy, uh, I mean, he's still young, but it seems like his career almost might, it's like furthering away in front of him. He's kind of turning into Ryan Smith. What do we call Ryan Smith? He was Captain Canada because the Oilers didn't make the playoffs so many years in a row. So he would play in the World Championship. Connor McDavid's in the same scenario. The Oilers aren't there. He's going to be asked to captain Team Canada at the World Hockey Championships. And it has to weigh on you. I mean, everyone's talking about offensively Nikita Kucherev. Uh, He's been the guy this year. But if you look at the stats in terms of a point per game 
basis. Connor uh, McDavid is only 0.03 points per game behind Kucherov. Like he's having an incredible season. Drysaddle has over 100 points, and it's just. I mean, the- Sorry, can I stop you there for a second? Because I read this morning, this is only the third time in NHL history that a team has had two 100-point players, as you mentioned, Dreisaitl and McDavid, and didn't make the playoffs. But it's yeah. crazy. Like, what else can Connor McDavid do? Like, you can't lay it at his feet. I mean, the defense has been terrible pretty much his entire career. He's had one playoff appearance, which he's averaging almost 100 points per game so far, or 100 points per season so far in his career. And you look at their goaltending, too. Like, what is going on with the management team in Edmonton? And he has, what, eight, ten years left on his contract? Well, at some say, point, when's he going to say that's enough? Never mind the players and the people around him. I think the, the biggest concern right now is in the upper office, right? I mean, you got a coach in Hitchcock that is there, I think, on an interim uh, basis, and uh, no GM now. They end up firing the GM. It's in disarray there. And can you see them really writing uh, the ship uh, in time for, like, September, October? Well, you think they might be able to? I think they just have to stop hiring ex-Oilers in management positions. Like, that's pretty much what their MO has been with Kevin Lowe kind of over the last few years. But it's like, just your offense is there. Just turn it around. Get some defense. Sign some guys who can kind of help McDavid. They tried it with Milan Lucic, and that was a huge bust. I don't think ever, anyone really foresaw how poorly he was going to play. But you really have to feel for McDavid. You want to see a guy at his talent level be in the playoffs each and every year and see what he can do with yeah. a long run in May and June. That's a good point because not only is he getting robbed, and he mentioned that in his post-game comments last night, that he wants to be there and basically feels like kind of robbed and he's not in the playoffs, but it's also robbing all of us hockey fans because you want to see McDavid in the playoffs and turn it on. I mean, I would love to see McDavid and Matthews go head-to-head eventually, Edmonton versus Toronto, but it just seems like you know they it's one step forward and about eight steps back for the Oilers. They've missed the uh, playoffs 12 of the last 15 years, I, I believe it is. And uh, Leaf fans are saying, well, hey, yeah, cry me a river. I, <laughs> I feel your pain. But, you know, at what point, as you just mentioned a second ago, does McDavid say, listen, enough's enough. You guys can't figure this out. And I got to go somewhere else. I can't, uh, you know, just... Uh, fritter my time here in Edmonton and not be in the playoffs. Well, if it was the NBA, I think he would have said that already. I mean, you're seeing guys who want to find a, a good situation for them family-wise and where they can win. I mean, Connor McDavid, McDavid could make that ultimatum to Edmonton say, you got to fix it. I'll give you guys one more year and then you have to trade me. I mean, they could just let him sit. I don't think they're going to do that. But McDavid doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would do that. But, I mean, if you continue to have some lean years and he's putting up 110, 120 points per season for literally nothing, I mean, that's going to that's gonna weigh on the guy when he is the best player in the league and he's at home at the beginning of April each and every season. Yeah, it's a real mess there. And, again, uh, Leafs Nation says, uh, we feel your pain, Oiler fans. We feel your pain. Mike Arsenault for us. Uh, Mike, good to see you as always. Thanks so much. Thanks, Jeff.